Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 16 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for joining us today, wherever you're listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now it has already been a huge week on the show and the stars keep on coming today as I sit down and chat with Dolphins team member, world champ and Com Games medalist, Kia Melverton. I caught up with Kia a few weeks ago via Zoom and discussed her training through the pandemic, her awesome experience at last year's World Champs in Guangzhou, as well as her medal from the 2018 Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast. We also talk about her coach Chris Nesbitt, her goals for the future, and a whole lot more. So if you are a young Aussie swimmer, stop what you're doing right now and pay attention, because EP16, my chat with one of Australia's best and toughest distance swimmers at the moment, Kia Melverton, Starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noot's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Madame Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavish in the white hats, Vets in the black hats, and Vets is Mullins. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to Thorpe. Thorpe to the hall. Thorpe goes in. Australia win. Joining me today on the show is an Australian team member who has held her place on the team for the last four years. She's a Com Games, Pan Parks, and a World Championship medalist, even crossing over, making the team for races in the pool and in open water back in 2017. It's a massive welcome to Off the Blocks Swimming Podcast to Kia Melverton. Kia, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks so much for having me. No worries, mate. Now, where have we caught you today? You're not sitting out the front of Coles or something there, are you? Where are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm in my car post-uni. Oh, okay. It's nice. I've got the aircon on. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> no, I'm just looking out for you because I know those Coles car parks can be uh, pretty uh, intense sometimes if people are waiting for that spot. So if they see you get in the car, you know, they Well, I'm they sitting sit in the passenger seat, <laughs> so I'm more there. worried that someone's just going to get in the driver's seat and take <laughs> off, but doors are locked. It's okay. All right. You're good. You're good. Now, listen, talk to me about training through, you know, uh, coronavirus and, and all the stuff that's been going on. How have you been keeping up? I know I spoke to um, David Morgan a few about a few months ago now, but I know he was in the in the beach and and he's been pretty lucky with that. What about for yourself? Yeah, no, pretty similar to Dave. I did a lot. I spent a lot of time doing ocean swims, but I also took the time out to do things that I wouldn't usually get to do when I was in the pool. Yeah. So I did a lot of running and I put a lot of extra focus on gym. But like in saying that, I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself. Yeah. It, which kind of took me a while to get my head around. Yeah. I think as soon as they told us like that afternoon, like, no, you're not training anymore. I went into like crazy, like psycho, like, Oh my God, let's do everything. Like <laughs> we have to be swimming in the ocean and then go back in the afternoon and do gym all day. And then you have to go for a run. And it just was like full on. And then it took me like maybe a month to be like, um, you have a year until you need to be at like your very, very best again. Yeah. So you can take a step back. You wouldn't have even been on break yet. If you'd gone to worlds, like you would have still been having your two week break. Like yeah. just take a step back and <laughs> control yourself. But I really enjoyed spending time in the ocean. And we'll get I to your coach. up at sunrise oh, and looking at the ocean and like yeah. that kind of stuff and back in the pool. I mean, yeah, I enjoyed it. 
How'd you go getting back up again? I know we, you know, you like being up at sunrise and I don't mind once I'm up and I've had my coffee and I'm ready to go coaching wise, but nothing gets at 4am. I, I can never get used to that 4am getting out of bed. How did you go when you first started having to get back to normal? Well, I'll, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the cold mornings that get you. And I yeah. haven't done a winter in Australia for a little while because that's yeah. usually when we're traveling. Yeah. So I haven't done like the whole winter training and being up early. But I think especially at the start, like those first two weeks, getting back in with the squad, mm. I just miss being with those guys. So knowing that you were rocking up to the pool and like your friends were going to be there just made it like 10 times easier. Oh, that's nice. Now talk to me about, was it easier or harder than you thought getting back in? I know you did a bit <laughs> in the ocean and you kept up your fitness, but was it easier or well, harder? It was definitely harder. We <laughs> So we were swimming like up to like six, seven K in the ocean. Which is fun. It's just, but it's just freestyle swimming up and down. Yeah. And then we jump in the pool, and all of a sudden, we can't kick anymore. We can't use our big paddles. We're doing four k in the pool, and it just whacks you for the rest of the day. We're taking two hour naps in the middle of the day when we weren't before. It was yeah. just like a whole different ball game. Now, talk to me in terms of you know your career and when it first started. When you were younger, you know, old now by any means, but when you were younger, <laughs> did you play any other sports? Yeah, so I did surf lifesaving up until I was 15, 16, I think. Yeah. And I first qualified for age nationals in the pool when I was 15. Yeah. Didn't go, went to surf nationals instead, said, no, I want to do surf. And then the next year at 16, went and raced at pool nationals. And it was kind of around that age that I was like, oh, I think I need to pick one or the other. And I yeah. ended up choosing pool swimming. How'd that go down with the coach choosing surf over, over nationals that year? Um, I don't think he had that much of a say in it. Because I kind of just said, like, well, okay, I'd only qualified for one event and it was yeah. in Adelaide. So yeah. first of all, mum was like, I'm not flying you to Adelaide for one and I can freestyle. Yeah. And I just, I don't think he, well, he never put too much pressure on me at that age. Because yeah. yeah. I was doing maybe like five swim sessions, five surf sessions. Yeah. So it was never really, oh, you need to be a pool swimmer. Like you need to be going to nationals. We're trying to get qualifying times. It wasn't until I was like 16, 17 that it became like a, more of a swimming-based environment for mm. me. Who were your heroes growing up? Who did you look up to? Um, so I had, like, a lot of the distance girls that aren't that much older than me, like Jess Ashwood and Katie Goldman and all those. But I distinctly remember reading a book about Tracy Wickham. Mm -hmm. And it was – I'm not sure if it was from her perspective or a coach's perspective, but I was reading through some of the sets that she was doing and I was just – completely mind blown like even to this day i can't imagine doing some of the stuff that she was doing it's ridiculous so yeah. i've always like kind of looked up to that standard of swimming you mentioned there with surf lifesaving how much did you enjoy that obviously we're going to get into your swimming career and you've done a bit of open water swimming but i, I want to yeah. touch on that because obviously that was a big part of your childhood how much did you enjoy that oh i enjoyed that so much i i, I miss it i mean surf's very different to swimming it's way more social you're yeah. training and you're above water 90% of the time. You're not very often with your head under the water by yourself. And I mean, growing up, I'd spend every weekend down at the beach. We'd be there all day Saturday from morning training. And then whoever's parents were there the latest was taking the eight of us back home for a sleepover. And then we'd rock up like Sunday morning ready to go again. And it was just a really good lifestyle to grow up in. For a lot of people, there's a certain moment. It could be in training, could be in a, at a competition. It could be, as you said, reading a book. Was there a moment for you where you decided, you know, swimming is really what you wanted to pursue and, you know, trying to get on that Australian team? Yeah, so funnily, funnily enough, I think the moment I decided that I wanted to kind of have swimming as more of a focus 
was when I got that first national time. And even though I didn't go to the nationals, (laughs) this carnival is so like embedded in my brain. I rocked up to a mate. I was so sunburnt. I got Mm. absolutely roasted by my coach for, I'd been in a surf carnival all day, but absolutely roasted because I was being in the sun. Like I obviously hadn't taken care of myself, hadn't put sunscreen on. I was probably dehydrated. Mm -hmm. And then I got in the pool and went, screw you. I'm going to swim this really well. And did this like massive PB and made nationals. And something kind of clicked in my head and I was like, oh, hold on. Like I could actually be a good swimmer if I like put my attention and my focus into this properly. Mm. And I think that kind of switched it. And then it took me maybe six months to like really register that and go, yeah, no, swimming is what I want to do. And while we're talking about this sort of age group age, was there anything that you struggled with through that period? You know, it might've been nerves, could have been, you know, your nutrition, keeping up with sessions, prehab stuff. I mean, obviously now you're pretty on top of that sort of stuff, but there's a lot of teenagers that listen to the podcast that probably uh, a little bit more lazier on those sort of things <laughs> than they probably should be. You know, did you go through any of that? Um, I think for me, my biggest thing in age group swimming was confidence. Um, I never... I was a good age group swimmer that was good enough to swim in opens. Yeah. But I would stand up next to these big girls as like a 15, 16 year old, which a lot of others are doing now, like you getting them into open swimming. And I just couldn't think about anything but who I was racing Mm. and I wouldn't back myself. And even though my times were good enough to scrape into a final or be competitive in the heat or whatever, I just couldn't stand up and be like, okay, I've got this. And it took me, I want to say at least like three years before my confidence kind of kicked in and I could stand up on a block and be like, no, I've got this. Mm. That's something I struggled with majorly through my age group swimming. And I talked to it a lot about the girls at my club at the moment and just like being able to back yourself and learning that from a young age, I think is super important too. So it's something your coach helped you with and what sort of things did you guys put around you to, to help you better deal with that? Yeah. So my coaches obviously played a huge role in that. And also just putting myself in those scenarios where I felt really uncomfortable and I didn't want to do it, but just pushing myself to do it anyway. And then you go, oh, wait, it actually wasn't that bad. (laughs) But we've also done, TSS as a squad, I've also done a fair bit of work with sports psychologists. Mm -hmm. So that helps as well. You're known for being very versatile, as I said in the opener. You know, you race open water, you can go from the 1500 down to, to the two. Probably even you'd throw out a decent hundred. I'm not sure my research didn't go that far. But. Pushing it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are your favourite events to race though? Um, I think my favourite to race is the four and the eight. I think maybe my best event would, I would say is the eight. My favourite to race is the four. Mm. Just because it's such a weird event. It's a sprint basically for 400 metres and you have to be one of those people that just gets in and goes and holds on and it's all about who can hurt the most which is why I enjoy racing it because it's like a battle of like mental toughness but then you also have like the 8 and 15 and even like up to open water where it becomes a bit of like a strategy game Mm. the 1500 in the pool I can be sitting and I'm looking up and down the whole pool and I know who's sitting in first and who's sitting in second and who's just behind me and open water is sitting on people's feet so they're all very different but I think the four is probably like the most fun to race what about pre-race rituals? Do you have any? Um, not specifically. I mean, I always have my nails done before mm. I race. They're always pink and everything's always matching. And then getting to the pool, I'll just have my music on, do my warm-up. And then right before the race starts, I'll like splash myself with water. And that's kind of my cue to be like, okay, like you're ready. Like mm. once the water hits my face, I'm like, okay, this is it. 
Yeah. Those nails, I tell you, that's a throwback for me. That reminds me of Sarah Ryan back in the day. She used to always have yeah. her, her nails done. I don't know if they're always the same. They might have been different colours and stuff, but I remember. And those those things were long too. I used to think, is she going to get in trouble for those? I think that's like an extra advantage there. I've had like an airport security guy, an airport security guy, like stop me, like ask what I was doing, like swimming or whatever. Yeah. He's like, can you swim with those nails on? I'm like, aren't they like extra length? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think it's making that much of a difference, mate. But... <laughs> What about uh, playlist? Do you listen to any music before your races? Um, yeah, I'm pretty big on my music. I have about 50 different Spotify playlists mm-hmm. <laughs> under my profile. But um, yeah, I think it just depends on what mood. I mean, sometimes it'll be really like happy-go-lucky random songs. It'll be like throwback songs. Just anything that kind of gets me feeling happy and excited rather than nervous. And finally, in terms of pre-race stuff, what about a pre-race meal the night before a big meet? Do you love to get anything uh, in particular into your guts? My go-to meal, and it has been for as long as I can remember, like racing at nationals and states and stuff, is pesto pasta, chicken yep. pesto pasta. So it's just it's just a thing now. Just mum will always make me pesto pasta. Not that it like has can- any specific benefits or anything it's just (laughs) routine now can you make it yourself as well yeah i can make it myself but who who makes it better if i don't say mom i'll be in trouble (laughs) (laughs) i was setting you up there uh mate 2016 you make the australian team for the world short course uh champs in canada come away with a bronze medal in the 800 freestyle i think you know what was your first experience like over there um yeah that was a great team it was a great first team to be involved on as well because there was i want to say like at least seven rookies yeah like so there was so many new faces on the team and it was such a small team too which was really good um yeah that was super nerve-wracking i've raced i'd raced internationally at like world unis and junior worlds but walking out onto that final i was terrified what lessons did you learn you're still quite young yeah um I think it's going back to that whole backing yourself and you have to like believe in what you've done before you get to that race. So walking out, although I was nervous, I try to turn that nervous energy into excitement. I kind of almost, I've taught myself to be like, Oh, not back away with nerves, but like, I'm excited. Like I want to show people what I can do. Like I want to put on a performance almost Mm. and like show people what I can do. A year later, you make the Australian team again, this time for world champs in Budapest, for the 5K open water event. Firstly, yeah. before we get to that that swim, how much do you enjoy open water racing? Well, it's a bit of a love-hate relationship with <laughs> open water racing. Um, it's, it is. It's very different. And I qualified for that open water race off a time trial, which is very different to the actual open water race for swimming in a pack. But I think my surf background helps me with that. Um, I'm used to swimming in packs, and I've been doing that since I was 10 or 11. And I'm not afraid to get in there and I'm not scared if someone's going to like accidentally elbow me or whatever. Like I know how to hold my ground. So I do enjoy that about open water racing. It's just definitely not my favorite thing. And I think (laughs) going, going to worlds, it was okay because it was 5k. I don't think I could wrap my head around doing a 10k. Yeah. What was the experience like in Hungary? Because, you know, I know speaking to a lot of open water swimmers here on the podcast, you know, conditions can vary and that makes a huge difference. What were the conditions like for you when you raced over there? Yeah, we were pretty lucky. Um, in Hungary, the open water venue is super nice. The water's really weird though, because it's on like a clay 
leg almost. Okay. So you put your hand in front of you and like you can't see past your forearm. Like I can't see my hand. Yeah. So if I looked up and the person's feet weren't in front of me, it's not like you can go off their bubbles and where they are and you don't have to be putting your head up. You're constantly putting your head up. But I mean like the temperature was really nice and it's just a really nice place. What about the vibe around it? Because I'm assuming back at the pool um, when, you know, the crowd were going nuts for Katinka Hotsu and stuff like that, it probably wouldn't have been the same vibe at open <laughs> no. water. It's not at all. Um, I don't think open water swimmers get as much credit as they should. And I think they often get forgotten about, which is yeah. really harsh. Um, I definitely experienced that myself. I was super disappointed that I didn't make the pool team and I almost didn't feel like I deserved to be on the open water team because I was only going for 5K, mm. which isn't like the Olympic event. And so it was quite hard to wrap my head around that. And then going there and we had a crossover with the pool team for a few days in the same hotel. And just all the recognition is on the pool swimmers and the pool swimmers are this and the pool swimmers are that. And being on the other side of it and seeing how the open water swimmers just kind of get pushed to the side and almost forgotten about. I mean, we were competing two and a half hours away from where the pool swimmers were. Yeah. And I don't know that they were getting updated with our results. We like we weren't in like group messages with the rest of the team. Like it's quite different being on that side of it. But I think having had that experience and being on the open water side and now being a pool swimmer, you can kind of understand and yeah. make sure that the open water swimmers feel super included in the whole team and it's not just the pool team and the open water team, it's a Australian swimming team. Yeah. Glad you said that. I, I feel exactly the same as you. And that's why I, I've had quite a lot of the open water guys on here. Nick Sloman, Karina Lee, just the other day I spoke to Chelsea and, and Hayden yeah. Cotter and, and I'll continue to make sure I'm shining that light. Cause as you said, I, I think, you know, you guys work as hard as anybody else um, to, to qualify for those, you know, events. And, and I definitely think there should be more light shone upon them. So I definitely agree yeah, with you. Sure. Um, Outside of that, like, let's go back to training for a second. They're obviously someone who doesn't mind a bit of work given the events that you race. Um, what are some of your favorite? I won't go say what's the toughest because sometimes the toughest has a negative connotation to it because you're like, oh, that <laughs> killed me. What are your favorite sessions of the week to train? Um, at the moment, I really like doing race pace work. So anything that's like 400, 800 pace, um, hundreds off longer rest, like two minutes or so, where I'm really trying to hit a race pace and then go again. Mm. I really like those kind of sets that I'm now approaching with the let's see how hard you can push it until you fail mindset. Yeah. Like I used to be super scared of failing in training and you'd always kind of hold yourself back. But I think with those kind of sets, like say 10 ones best average on two minutes, if you don't go in there with the attitude like how hard can I go on this first one to make it impossible to swim by number 10, if you're not going to get any benefit out of it. Mm. And I like those sessions because they just really push you like mentally and physically. So I think they're my favorite ones to do. Like you said, like you get out and you're absolutely wrecked and probably can't swim probably for the next two days, but yeah. they're my favorite sessions to really like push myself in. And they're the ones that give me confidence when I go on into race day. Yeah. As you said before, it's like a love hate relationship. You know, you need them and you know, you're going to be better after them, but yeah. you're going into like, Oh, this is going to kill. Um, talk to me about your mindset in those sort of things though. Like, you know, it's always interesting. And I think from a, a younger swimmer's perspective with those sort of really tough sets that are challenging you both physically and mentally, where do you go in, in your mind? Are you thinking about your goals? Are you constantly reminding yourself of the, you know, the goals you've set? Or is it as simple as, you know, you're just going one at a time and you know you've got to hit your mark? Yeah. Um, 
this is something that I've been still working on recently. I'm what 23 and I'm still working on this. So mm. by no means I would expect age group swimmers to have this under wraps. Um, in my situation, I swim up and down every day next to one of my main competitors, Maddie in the 1500. Yeah. And we're constantly comparing ourselves to each other. And that, that's just natural. Like we race each other at nationals and we race each other on the world stage. So for me going into those sessions, it's been a big focus of mine to not compare myself to her mm. and just worry about what I'm doing. And I do, I take it one rep at a time. Say we have 10 ones best average on two minutes. If I use that set, I'll yeah. go in my head. I'll say, okay, the target time, whatever I want to hit. Say if I'm trying to get under 60, I'll be like, okay, the Olympic qualifying time is 60 seconds. You have to be under that qualifying time if yeah. you want to go to the Olympics. And then it'll be like one and then, okay, okay, now you just have one more and then I'll go, okay, yeah. one more and just take it one set at a time. So I remember being in a swimming Queensland talk and one of the coaches broke it down and he was like, if you do one good 50 and then another, then that's two good fifties and then another, that's three. And then you stop and then you start the set again. And if you just break it down and then every single 50 you're approaching it really well, by the end of the session, you've done a really good set of 12 fifties just by breaking it down one set at a, at a time. Yeah. I think it's great advice, mate. And it just keeps you from looking too far ahead in the session and sort of, as you mentioned before, getting worried and like maybe not going as hard on that first one because you're like, well, goddamn, 10 of them, that's going to yeah, kill exactly. if, I, if I smash myself now. But if you go with that mentality, uh, it sort of breaks it down, as you said, a little bit yeah. better. Now, 2018, a big year for you. You know, Com Games in your hometown on the Gold Coast. Also, uh, you had success in the Pampax in Japan, getting a silver medal in the, in the 1500. Talk to me about that year for you. You know, where, where did those results, I'm not going to say where did they come from, because obviously you work for them. It's not like, where did they yeah. come from? They nowhere. But what went so right for you that year in, in sort of your training and your preparation? Did anything change? Was it just you were getting older and more mature? Um, that's a bit of a funny story, actually. The four months, I want to say, leading up to Com Games, I trained like rubbish. It was the worst lot of training I've ever had in my life. I was putting so much pressure on myself. Got to Com Games trials. The 400 was before the 800. I didn't make the final in the 400 freestyle. Yeah. I'm going in ranked third and I didn't make the final. And there was tears. I jumped straight in the warm down pool and I bawled my eyes out. My coach pulled me out and he was like, what's going on? And I, I just, I couldn't talk. I was so, had so much pressure on myself to try and perform. Mm. So he sent me away from the pool that night. He was like, don't come in. Don't like, don't do a loose and swim, nothing. Stay away. I went home, didn't watch it on TV, put music on and colored in. And then the next day I had to come back and swim the 800. Mm. And so obviously all these emotions start coming up again. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I have nothing to lose in this moment. If I don't make the team, I still have friends. My mom still loves me. My brothers and sisters are still there. My teammates are still going to be there. Like there's literally nothing to lose. And I think that shift in mindset right before qualifying for Com Games has completely changed how I race yeah. the past three or four years or whatever, how long it's been. That, that was such a turning point for me, being able to go from all that pressure and feeling like the world was going to end if I didn't qualify for Com Games to being to just letting that all go and then getting in and swimming a good time and qualifying that was such a big turning point for me and then obviously getting to go to com games and you've got a home crowd home crowd i wasn't expecting to get a medal in that event at all mm. i mean you know there's three aussie girls in there and there's always a chance and jess and arnie are obviously so so talented 
But then coming down that last 50, when I started to catch people, I was like, hold on a minute. Like you could actually get a medal here. So that was a big shock to me. And it was just the confidence boost I needed then moving into Pampax. Yeah, I was going to ask about sort of that moment for you, the bronze in the 800. You got to, to share the dais with Ariane Titness and, and Jess Ashwood, as you said. Yeah, what was it like before you got, you know, on into the water? Because I can only imagine, you know, as you said, it was your hometown, your family and friends would have been there. You're already dealing with these sort of pressures. And even though you've sort of gotten through that, that point in the trials, there still would have been a lingering feeling. You've still got to get a, around yeah. it. How was it? Yeah, so I swam my heat of the 800 and it was the hardest and slowest 800 I've done. And I got out and my coach said to me, that was easy, right? And I just had to look at him and nod my head, even though it definitely wasn't easy. But I think that was my way of tricking myself to be like, okay, it's fine. Yeah. Finals tomorrow, you can come back and fix yourself. And then getting in the pool before that final, again, it was the same thing. I was trying to switch it from being nervous to being excited. Hmm. I was like, how often do you get to race in front of this many people at home? Like, just go out and have fun with it. And whatever happens, happens. You swim well, great. You swim bad. like so what like is it the end of the world no it's not and I think just letting go and having fun with it just made such a big difference and I think it was the reason that I was able to get on that podium now it must have been a pretty proud moment to get up there with the girls because you got to sing the national anthem with the girls and I've got another question around that though how did you sing the national anthem do you sing it loud and proud or are you one of those people who mimes it and let everyone else do the work I think it's because because it was all three of us on that podium and I also knew one of the medal presenters. Yeah. So I think we were all up there and we were all very loud and proud. And it's like, when else are you going to get three Aussies on a podium? You don't get that chance at Olympics or Worlds when there's only two of you. So to have that, that was super special. You always see it in the crowd or <laughs> if you go to a footy game and stuff like that and they play it and you're always standing there, you see there's people who yeah. are just like belting it as if like they've got the microphone <laughs> and they're singing it. And then there's always people who are like, there's no sound coming out of them. But your your club TSS and your coach Chris Nesbitt are known for success and and producing great results. But we know that all comes from you know having a great team environment and a great club culture. Talk to me about your club and and the training buddies. You know, although it must be you know bloody hard at times in terms of training, and you guys are are working yeah. for those <laughs> results. But you mentioned it before. You were just excited to get back to see your, your training mate. So talk to me about that club culture. Yeah, um, I think TSS has the best club culture I've seen out of a lot of clubs. Um, I've been swimming at TSS since I was about 10 years old. So I've been there for 13 years and I've yeah. been there through the ups and downs and I've seen the bad and the good. And I think in the last two years, we've really come together as a squad. And at the end of the day, we all get along. And we come to the pool and we're all friends and we just support each other. Mm. And I think obviously not everyone's going to get along in every single state and that's fine, but you need to know that your club mates have your back and support you no matter what. Yeah. I can go into a race and not swim well and I'm not walking back to my club mates and my team and know that they're going to be saying something negative about me. Yeah. They'll all turn around and be like, oh, it's okay, like, good job, like, next one's this, or at least you did this, or whatever, and it's always positive. I think that's super important. But also, we just have fun. Like, the distance guys that I train with, the group of five of us that are the distance swimmers at TSS at the moment, it's just training sessions are made fun. 
Mm. There's always someone's throwing banter or having a laugh at someone else. And it just makes it a lot easier to rock up to the pool every day. There's a great group of coaches there and I've been lucky enough to have a few drinks with a few of them and, and have great chats and they've got great banter, as you said, but no doubt leading the charge is the head coach, Chris Nesbitt, one of the world's yeah. best in, in my opinion. How has he helped you the most? You know, you've been there for, for a long time. What makes the partnership work so well, do you think? Yes, yeah, so I've been swimming with Chris for about five years now. I was with other coaches as I kind of moved up the age group ranking. Um, Chris is just super understanding. I can go to him with anything, whether it's swimming related, uni related, life related, and he'll just sit down and listen to me. And I don't feel awkward having those conversations with him. Um, Leading up to Com Games is a good example. Every Friday afternoon for 10 minutes, we'd sit in his office and Mm. nine times out of 10, I would cry. But it was just a way of me to talk to someone about how I was feeling and he would just take it on. He doesn't, wouldn't give me advice or try to change this or look at it in a negative way. It was just, okay, this is how my son is feeling. Just so he was aware of it. And I think that's super important. He's one of those people that you can go to with ideas and suggestions and he'll actually listen to you and take that on board. He's very, um, he has a real focus on like swimmer coach relationship. Like it's not a dictatorship. Yeah. What he says isn't necessarily what goes. So if he says something to you and goes, okay, here's the plan for the next week and you turn around to him with like some sort of evidence and say, oh, actually this Thursday night high aerobic set, can I change it to a speed set because I want to work on this and if you add this and this and this in, he'll go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like if that's how you want to approach it, we can change it, mm-hmm. which I think is like super important, especially when you get to this like high performance level. You need like you know your body better than anyone else. Yeah. Like I know when I can push it and when I need rest and to have someone, have a coach that listens to that, it's super important. I read somewhere once that, um, was it that he lost a bet and he had to wear something because he lost a bet? Was it him or was it another coach? Oh, I no, it was, it was my old coach. Um, so this is when I was trying to break 57 for the 100 freestyle. Yeah. And I had three chances to do it at state. It was like club relay day and then the heat and final of 100 free. Club relay day, I went like 57-1. And then my heat was like 57 low or something. And I was like, no, this is it. I'm going to do it. 56.99. And so he had to rock up on Christmas Day in a Santa suit. <laughs> so worth it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, must have been a very satisfying feeling for you. <laughs> and when I looked up and saw like the 56.99 as well, like to just to be that close under it and like just sneak in, it just made it so much better. <laughs> hey, 2019, just last year, World Champs in Guangzhou. What was that experience like for you? Because from an outsider's perspective, it was all happening over there. There was a week of super fast swims, controversies. It was probably one of the bigger meets in a while around swimming. Yeah. Like it drew a lot of focus towards it from someone who was there. How was it for you? Um. For me, being very caught up in that little swimming bubble and you're kind of living in that environment, you don't realise how much outside media attention has been brought to it, like you said. I don't think many of us really realised how the world was reacting to our little little swimming bubble that we had going on. But that was by far my favourite team that I've ever been on. Um, we kind of sat down when everyone qualified for that team and said, how do we make this team the best team we've been on? Again, with the support and the friendship and making sure people got along. And I just think having that close knit team just made it a 10 times better experience. Mm. Yeah. It was just a really fun team. Like I just really enjoyed traveling with those guys. 
I was going to say that to you, you know, you, you know yourself listening to the podcast, I've had quite a few swimmers from the Australian team on and I'm getting the vibe at the moment. There's everyone's very comfortable around each other. Everyone's very friendly around each other. You're all getting around that same age as well. There's a few older athletes, but everyone's around that, you know, mid twenties age and everyone's feeling pretty comfortable. Is that the way you see it at the moment that everyone's, you know, getting along really well? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's the first time that I've been on a team where everyone was kind of friends. There's always in past teams, there's always like one or two that don't get along and that kind of makes it a bit difficult. But I think people are more willing to push their differences aside for the team. Mm. Like you don't, you don't have to like everyone. You're not going to like everyone. I think that's just what life is, but pushing those differences aside and still saying good job to them and being supportive and making sure that you're there for them, whether they seem good or bad. I just think that's the new attitude that the team has and it just really makes such a difference. Like you said, I think Worlds was the first time we've had everyone over 18 on the team as well. Mm. So I think Kaylee turned 18 just before we went away. So yeah, everyone's in that similar age group, which makes it, again, easier for everyone to get along. Have you been a part of any of those trivia nights and things? I, I noticed you guys have been <laughs> doing a few things like that to try and obviously with the pandemic that's happened and everyone can't get together, but I know you guys have been trying to get together as much as you can on, on Zoom or whatever it is. You've got yeah. house party. I don't know what you guys do. You're a lot <laughs> younger than me. <laughs> no, we've been using Zoom. Yeah, just trivia nights and cooking lessons and little things like that just to get everyone in contact again. Because, yeah, I see the guys that live on the Gold Coast, but it's hard to stay in contact like this. It's different texting each other or reacting to someone's Instagram story or things like that. But when you're actually getting in contact with them and all doing the same activity, it just keeps everyone in the loop, I guess. Mm. Mate, stepping away from the pool for a bit now, what do you get up to when you're not going up and down the black line? We'll get to uni in a minute because I know you, you, get, you do uni and I'm always interested with you guys and finding that balance because I think a lot of the kids with school trying to find the balance. But before we get to that, what do you get up to? How do you unwind and relax? Yeah, so my most favourite thing to do is sit at the beach, to be honest. Like, yeah. Going back to those surf life-saving days, I'm... Um, will probably just be a beach bum for my whole life. Um, I can't imagine ever living away from it. But yeah, just going down to the beach, I enjoy reading, sussing out local cafes. It's very, very Gold Coast laid back <laughs> sort of vibe. But yeah. yeah, especially in summer, I would was spending like an hour at the beach almost every day, I think. Mm. Well, it's not a bad way to be, that's for sure. I don't think anyone's sitting there, you know, I think more people are envious of that rather than going, <laughs> oh, she's doing nothing. I think everyone's like, oh, I wish I could do that. Uh, I yeah. mentioned uni. Um, yeah, what, are you, what are you doing at uni at the moment? Yes, yeah, so I'm studying a Bachelor of Exercise Science with a Bachelor of Psychology. How's that going for you? Enjoying it? Um, yeah, I am enjoying it. I mean, it's taken me a long time. Um, people that I started uni with finished last year. So yeah. um, it's a bit of a long road, but I'm in, no, like, I'm in no rush to finish it. I think while I'm swimming, studying is a really good option to be doing on the side. I think it's more flexible than working. So I'm enjoying studying. Is it taking a little bit longer because of that balance, making sure you're still able to train and work as hard as you need to, but then give the time to, to studying as well? Yeah. So I've only been doing part-time study. Um, this trimester is actually the first time I'm doing a full-time load. It's still only three subjects. It's not four, yeah. but um, yeah, I think there's got to be a balance. I want to have something that I can go to away from the pool, but also it doesn't need to be so much that it's taking away from the flexibility of if I need to have a nap, if I need to have a massage, if I need to see physio, all that kind of stuff that swimmers are getting done during the day. So you yeah. need to have that kind of balance. 
mate, post-swimming, where do you see yourself? Obviously, that's what you're getting involved in at uni. Is that where you see yourself heading down the exercise science route? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I think like my dream job would be working as a sports psychologist. Yeah. Um, that's something that's really close to me, especially going what I've been through and talking to a lot of the younger girls at my club too. Um, a lot of the struggles that they have as well. I think that's, I would just love to be able to help younger athletes wrap their heads around competitive sport. Mate, something I love to do at the end here is just have a bit of fun and give you some just, uh, ra- not random questions, but I think these sort of things give our listeners a little bit more of an insight into what you're like away from the pool because, um, you know, what music you listen to, what movies you watch, yeah. just what you like at home. So I'll throw it out there and you just throw it straight back as quick as, you, as, quick okay, as it comes go. to your mind. So <laughs> we talked earlier about, you know, your pump up music, but, you know, if you're just at home and you've got to clean the house, what sort of music do you like to listen to? Um, all-time favorite song is She's a Right by Jungle Giants. Okay. Um, so big into Jungle Giants, The Wombats, um, Smith Street Band, like that kind of genre if I'm just chilling at home. Okay, very nice. What about favorite movies? Um, favorite movie is 500 Days of Summer. So I'm a big rom-com person. Yeah. I think, I get- yeah, like, I think that's like my all-time favorite <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think that's one I've really gotten around much in my time. Maybe unless the missus made me do it, but it's Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't think there's like any boys that I've ever spoken to when I say, my favorite movie is 500 Days of Summer. And they're like, yeah, what that one? Like, no one. No one. What about uh, Biggest Fear? And it doesn't have to be anything, um, you know, super profound, like um, failing or anything. It could just be like spiders or heights <laughs> or something like that. Um, maybe sharks. But in saying that, I did swim over a shark like two weeks ago in an ocean swim. Yeah. And I was surprisingly calm. So maybe sort of, it's not my biggest fear. Maybe it's mean, something like yet to come. I mean, I'm not assuming <laughs> that you're a, a marine biologist, but did you know what but sort of a shark, shark it I was? You, no, I don't know. But there was like a group of four of us and me and my other friend saw it. And it was like, okay, it wasn't huge. I think that's why I probably wasn't scared. Yeah. It was probably like maybe like this big. Still. But it just like very calmly swam under us. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's going that way. I'm going this way. Like that makes any difference. But yeah. Are you one of those people that always thought um, when you did open water that if you swam in the middle of the pack and everyone was around you that you'd be okay because it's going to get the people from the side first? The thing is with open water, I'm like, I don't even think about it because there's boats and there's yeah. IRBs and they're scaring them off. But yeah. when you're like in the ocean by yourself, <laughs> yeah, I don't like that what about uh you know you've visited a few countries what are some of your favorite countries you've been to um my all-time favorite is rome we did like a trip over there and just just walking around the streets and the history and Mm. you just cannot wrap your head around it until you're there absolutely i've been there twice and other than australia it is my yeah my favorite it's just it's amazing isn't it Yeah. yeah you can't like some of the architecture and those buildings that have been there for years and you stand in front of it and it's just it's mind-blowing i would love to go back there one day yeah i'll tell you this when uh, i went there for my honeymoon the second time first time i was by myself second time we went uh, <laughs> i was with my wife and yeah. uh and it was coming close to the night time i had a few drinks always a few drinks over there <laughs> and uh and she's like oh i'm a bit tired i'm ready for bed because she wasn't feeling well i said listen do you mind if i just go out I just I just want to go wandering go so I, yeah, walk, so I, yeah yeah I left at like seven o'clock or something I didn't come back till 1 a.m and yes I did 
drop you just get lost a few you just get lost the in way. the streets though yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah gelatos i sat out yeah. in front of the coliseum for like an hour like a weirdo just sitting yeah. there by myself just sitting there eating your gelato <laughs> yeah because i'm like i don't know if i'm going to be back here again so i just want to soak this moment up yeah no we did the same thing we were there for a meet and we were there maybe like a week before the meet and i think every one of those seven days we were out exploring yeah it, like it forget about training we wanted to walk around the city for like five hours a day like we wanted to see everything that is the hardest thing and i talked to a lot of you guys and especially is, the, yeah. you know the older guys who'd been on the team for 10 12 years and i'll always say to them you know how did you go when you went to these places because they're gorgeous countries um you know there's always a lot going on in terms of the nightlife and things to see and things to do and that, that yeah. for me would be one of the tougher things that I don't know. It gets a lot of light shone in it from, you know, from an outsider's perspective for you guys. Cause you know, it's in terms of, you know, the media or people, it's like, Oh, you're there to yeah. do a job. But still, I mean, if you're in Rome, you can't help but want to just get out and go. For yeah. A I mean, there is that aspect of it. I think those roommates, because we weren't at like a worlds or anything, it's slightly different and everyone's yeah. a bit more relaxed when you're at worlds, it's you're there to do a job. But in saying that worlds in Budapest, like a whole bunch of them stayed behind and got to spend a week in Budapest. Yeah. Like as if you wouldn't take up that opportunity. Absolutely. What about favorite TV shows to binge watch? What do you like to watch? Um, I've been watching a lot of Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. So for about two months there, I thought I was going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what else? My sister's always got Big Bang Theory on TV. So yeah. that gets taken in when I'm trying to do stuff around the house. I'm not super big on TV shows. Yeah. I've, I kind of end up flicking through Netflix and nothing taking my interest and then I'll just not end up putting anything on. Mate, you've just, you've just hit the nail on the head. How often, and everyone listening to this will go, oh, me, this is me. How often do you go onto Netflix and you end up spending 20 minutes and you still can't find yeah. anything? And, you and end you up, I, I end do? up logging off. I go onto something else. You know what I do, which is even worse. I'll put something on that I've already seen before. And pick up my phone and be scrolling on my phone <laughs> yeah. while the Netflix show is playing in the background. There's no need to have it on and I'm just on my phone. It's just habit now. A hundred percent. I think uh, you're not alone there. What about, <laughs> um, are you on TikTok? Yeah, I'm on TikTok. Okay. What are you, like, listen, and remember when you're talking to this, you're not talking to me because yeah, okay, I'm not fine. on TikTok. This is for the, this is for the fans that are listening that, you know, love TikTok. And my wife is a massive TikTok fan, but. I just stay away from it. What do you What do you enjoy most about that? What do you watch on there? Um, I don't know that I watch anything like in particular. Yeah, I watch a lot. My for my for you pages, fashion videos, and dogs. Yeah. So there's two of my interests. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just really I enjoy sending anything that I can find that like semi relates to my friends, and I'll just bombard them with TikToks <laughs> like constantly all day. I've never yeah. made one, but I can sit and scroll on that for you page for hours. Mm. Like a 15 second videos. That's my, my attention span now is about a minute. Yeah. Thanks to TikTok. Sit there scrolling through TikTok while yeah. the Netflix <laughs> movie or show while is Netflix on. Is playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've muted net Netflix and I'm just scrolling through TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, what about quotes? You've, you know, obviously uh, you've been on a few teams now and no doubt coaches love to throw out quotes. Do you have uh, any quotes that have stuck with you that you really, you know, keep? Um, oh, I'm trying to think of Nezzy's one off the top of my head. Consistency is the hallmark of class. Okay. that's right. Chris's like favorite go-to quote, which 
I mean, it's it's true. He was saying yeah. to us just the other day that he's never coached someone that has consistently trained well that hasn't eventually hit their peak or their PB. Yeah. Which, I mean, a lot of swimmers, they go through periods where you don't PB for two years mm. and you kind of want to throw the towel in and go, no, I'm never going to PB. But if you're consistently swimming well and you're consistently racing well and hitting close to that time, eventually it's going to drop. There's no other way yeah. about it. Like eventually you're going to get quicker. Absolutely. I think that's great. Great advice for any young swimmer out there listening. But finally, when we redo this interview in say two years time, three years time, what accomplishment would you like me to be adding to the top of that intro? It's already a pretty good intro. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but what would you like me to add up to the top there? Um, I mean, the dream is to go to the Olympics. I think that's everyone's dream. Yeah. Um, I would love to be a part of that four by two team. I think that's super special getting to swim on relays. Um, yeah, I don't think that I have any like specific goals. Like I want to medal here or I want to go yeah. on this team. I just want to keep improving. Yeah. I think that's great, mate. Uh, I, I asked that question to a lot of people and you'd be surprised how often people like hesitate, like, Oh, I don't want to really say <laughs> something. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to replay this to you in three years and go, aha, look, you said like, like a, a side by side, like you didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the winners and the losers. This is who achieved it. And this is who did it. It's just more <laughs> of a, you know, where's your head at and where do you yeah. want to get to? So I think that's perfect. Mate, thank you very much. We'll, we'll wrap it up there, mate. I, I want to thank, firstly, thank you for coming on. I know, as you said, you're back into training and you've got uni and you've got stuff going on. Um, but I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat to me and, and good luck over the next few months. Um, ultimately trying to get that spot in 2021. Fingers crossed that all goes ahead. Yeah, still, who yeah knows? hopefully it's still going on. <laughs> who knows in this crazy world? But, you know, um, if, if it is going ahead, yeah, fingers crossed that, you know, mate, you get your spot on that first Olympic team and I'll get you back on for a chat to say, look, you know, we, we spoke about it at the <laughs> end there and, and there you are. Um, mate, thank you very much for coming on Off The Block Swing Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. No worries. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by Pro Swim Workouts. If you are loving the podcast in season three and you want more, be sure to head to our YouTube page where all the episodes are for your viewing pleasure and also bonus content will be available. So head over there now, like and subscribe and get around the Off The Block Swimming Podcast YouTube page for all the latest interviews and updates. Tomorrow on the show, we have WA rising star and young gun, Josh Edward Smith joining us for a chat great way to wrap up the week so do not miss it until then though guys i hope you all have a great day be nice to your mum and it's bye for now <laughs>